Hello there, my dear friends, and this is Dan Jones, and I have a quiet talk to share with you today. As a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to protect the flock. That doesn't mean I patrol people's houses at night to watch for burglars. It means that I seek to guard them against false teaching. The Bible compares false teachers to wolves whose desire is to devour the flock of God. False teachers prey on unsuspecting Christians in order to make merchandise of them. In other words, to draw followers after themselves and get rich. Today's talk is an effort to guard against one one kind of these spiritual predators. I pray that my words are guided by the Holy Spirit, and He will open the hearts of all who hear to spiritual danger. The pure Word of God is the guard against all that threatens the people of God. The other day, my wife pointed out to me a post on Facebook by a preacher whose name I will not mention. I had frankly never heard of him before, but he has a Facebook page named after himself, so I guess he's a big guy. Here's what he posted on his page. Exact quote. You could commit sins 24-7-365 as a Christian, and you're still 100% perfect. The blood of Jesus is greater. Now, that might sound good on the surface. It's true that the blood of Jesus washes away our sins, but there's a little more to it than that. Before I explain, let me point out that in general, I, I think I know what he means. What I worry about is people who will read this and take it as an excuse to just live in sin and believe that God is okay with it. There is without doubt much teaching out there that implies that God doesn't really care about how we live our lives, especially when it comes to morality. He's just a nice guy up in heaven who wants to be our buddy. No judgment. How many times when it has become known that a certain person is guilty of gross moral sin, have I heard people say, we can't judge. More on that later. First of all, let me share another statement from this Facebook preacher's greatest hits that uh, Debbie showed me after that first one. Again, exact words. Unbelievers don't need to repent of their sins to be saved. Nor do Christians need to repent of our sins to stay saved. That's an enemy of the cross. All I can say is, wow. Now let's look into the Word of God. If I'm not mistaken, this fellow claims to be preaching the Bible. Let's see. The first words out of the mouth of the Son of God when his public ministry began were, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the gospel. He didn't say, okay, I'm here now. Everybody is excused of every, everything. No need to change. He said, repent. Let's quickly define repent. It means to turn around. You're going the wrong way. Go back. The road you're on leads to eternal death. You'd better change the direction of your life. It's certainly not always that popular to preach repentance. You'll always get a bigger following if you tell people they're just fine living the way they are. Nobody wants to be troubled or disturbed about their lifestyle, as they call it. 
just look at the way people who proclaim biblical morality in our day are viciously attacked. On the day the church was born, the day of Pentecost, Peter accused those gathered around of murdering the Son of God. That's pretty negative. So they asked him, what should we do? Peter said, don't worry about it. Just sin every day if you want to. You're right, he didn't say that. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice that according to Peter, repenting of your sins and being baptized is a condition of forgiveness and receiving the Holy Spirit. I hope this isn't a shock to anybody, but before you can be forgiven, you must confess your sins and repent. John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some people seem to think that Paul the Apostle preached an easy message of cheap grace that doesn't require repentance. In Acts 20, he addressed a group of preachers. He said this to them, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. During this talk, Paul summarized his own message, the message he'd preached across the Mediterranean world. Here it is. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith. He didn't say repentance was optional. He didn't say that preaching repentance was an enemy of the cross like the fellow I quoted above. After the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate in Acts 3, Peter preached to an astonished crowd who gathered, and he said to them, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. According to Peter, if you want your sins wiped away, you must repent. To say otherwise is false teaching of the first order. 1 John 3, 4-6 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So much for sinning 
24-7-365. Now, we all know that Christians sin. You're not saved by living a perfect life, but if you sin without being bothered 24-7-365 by your conscience, if you don't have a strong desire to confess your sins, turning to God in sincere repentance, then it's a valid question whether or not you are truly a child of God. I'm not saying that. The Bible is. I mentioned earlier that, that subject of judging. Jesus said, don't judge and you won't be judged. He also said in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. We're not to condemn people to hell. The worst sinner on earth may come to God in repentance and be saved. We should want this for everybody. But if I say that fornication is a sin against God, a sin, sin that can send you to hell, I'm not judging I'm just telling you what God's judgment is. He's already judged sin. My job is to tell you what God has said and to warn you against his final judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's not my judgment. It's God's. If I'm afraid to tell you that because I want to be liked, then I am a false teacher who deserves the strict judgment of God. James 3 says that teachers in the church will receive a stricter judgment than those who are not teachers. I find this sobering. I could go on and on, as those of you who know me can attest. Let me just close by encouraging you to seek God with all your heart. Ask Him to give you the grace in Christ to live a life pleasing to him. Learn to hate sin and love righteousness. He's working in your life to accomplish his eternal purpose for you. Heavenly Father, give God's people a, a hatred of sin, Lord God, just a holy hatred of sin against you. And give us a love for holiness and righteousness. Lord Jesus, Hebrews says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So, Lord God, give us a desire to be holy. Help us know we can only be holy when we do repent, confess our sins, and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, my dear friends. Thank you for praying, us, praying for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church. My message is a little long today, so I'm not going to give a full commercial, but thank you for praying. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.